everyone. Welcome back to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Pinetta. And as always, we are downtown in Salem, Oregon in studio today. Beautiful summer day. Excited about uh, our guests that uh, we have today on Zoom. Um, Aaron uh, Nambi from, uh, uh, well, we know each other from college, and I'll let him introduce himself further in a second. But, but before I do, before we do, uh, you know, I always got to give a, sh- uh, a quick spiel on on why we're doing what we're doing and what this podcast is all about. It's connected to our Leadership Institute, which is here in Salem, Groundwork. And at Groundwork, our, we have a vision of being a catalyst for transformational change. And we're starting here in our community, bringing cross-sector leaders together. And actually, part of our discussion today, the reason why Aaron reached out to me several months ago was he had questions about Groundwork, so I'll probably say a little bit more about that here shortly. Um, but Aaron is from uh, Zambia, um, Africa, and we, we met at BYU-Hawaii, and that that university is pretty incredible because people come from all over the world, right? It's probably the only place that I would have I would have met uh, Aaron back when I was a, a student, um, and he would have met me. So, um, pretty cool to make those sort of connections that obviously you know are lasting uh, over a decade later. So, kind of fun. Um, but Aaron, why don't you go ahead and, and introduce yourself, my friend? Chris, uh, thank you very much. It's um, an honor to be with you on this podcast. You know, I've followed some of the podcasts they've had in the past, and I can tell you that um, uh, every time one comes out, I'm just uh, excited to listen to it. And um, I, I'm, I'm so uh, encouraged by what you do. You know, uh, Groundwork Leadership Institute is definitely something that I think you should not just be doing this on the community level. It needs to be on a national level because this is very, very helpful, at least from what I know and what I've followed so far. But yes, my name is Aaron Ngambi, and I'm from Zambia. And I should say that, Chris, I'm impressed that you haven't forgotten how to pronounce my last name, because most people actually butcher that name. It's not easy to pronounce. Um, I went to BYU, Hawaii, and I graduated in December of 2015 with a degree in uh, a bachelor's degree in political science. Um, and since then, I have been uh, in several places, and I've worked in different places, and uh, I, I, I'm more than happy to talk about some of the things that I'm involved in. But right now, I am in Dallas, Texas, and I am working for J.P. Morgan Chase Bank. I'm one of the travel advisors for J.P. Morgan Chase. And uh, since COVID, we've actually been working from home. So in a nutshell, that's briefly about me currently. But I am from Zambia, uh, which is a south central part of Africa. It's very close to what most people would know, South Africa. So my country is about two hours and 45 minutes flight from um, Zambia to South Africa. And I've been to South Africa a few times. I have been uh, to other parts of African countries, Botswana, Zimbabwe, and and the surrounding uh, southern region. I have not been to West Africa. I hope I can go someday. Uh, besides uh, BYU, after I graduated, I moved to Ohio. I worked in Kent, Ohio. I worked for a manufacturing uh, company there. And I worked uh, from uh, being a general worker, uh, assembly, to actually becoming one of the supervisors before I left. And I left uh, roughly about 2020, and we returned back home, me and my wife, and I was hoping to run for public office uh, for mayor of my hometown in, in Zambia. And I think that the timing wasn't right. And so uh, we had to uh, rethink because we had elections in 2021 of August. 
And so that was about just about a year of preparation and that was not sufficient. And so we came back um, and uh, we uh, stayed here in Dallas and we're only here for a little bit. Um, we have a baby girl. She's only about four months, three to four months uh, old. And so that's about me and my family. That's awesome. So is that the, thanks for sharing all of that. Is that the uh, kind of the, the goal though, to go back and, and run run for office uh, back back home? The goal is to actually go back and contribute to um, what I think uh, my country deserves in terms of leadership. So the goal is to actually go and contribute to not only being a leader that should be exemplary, but also to try and help others to see things uh, differently. You know, uh, Chris, when you grew up in uh, certain cultures, the thinking um, of most people are pretty much the same. They're influenced by the society around them. And so uh, you are fortunate enough to actually uh, get out of that situation for a little bit get some exposure and then going back, usually you'd go back with a different mindset. And after learning more about, you know, leadership and and what that entails, there are lots of things that are culturally inherent in Zambian society and most African society that when you probably measure it against the yardstick of what good leadership should be, you intend to think, oh, you know, I think there we can make a difference or we can do some things differently. Yeah. Well, I think that's an that's an amazing sort of um, uh, aim to have and, and goal to have to to go back there and contribute that way. Um, you know, ult- ultimately, I, you know, we were both connected to the peace building program out out in Hawaii, and and I finished uh, a little bit sooner than you did, but uh, uh, out there. And w- what I always am, I find myself always in conversations with alumni there because it's the only it's the only undergraduate program in the whole country that has a peace building major, right? Um, usually if you want to study peace studies, peace building, conflict resolution, etc., there's a plethora of programs, but they're all the graduate level masters or, or, or PhD doctorate level. So it's a, it's a pretty unique program, but I always find myself in conversations with s- current students and I've been teaching there for the last few years uh, and even recent graduates. And they're, and they're always asking, you know, how can they go and use their, their degree to make a difference, to build peace, etc. And peace building, the way we learn it out there, as you know, Aaron, isn't, isn't holding hands and singing kumbaya. It's very hard work, right? It's very challenging, hard work. You're going into the areas where there's the opposite of peace, where there's conflict and people uh, need to come together. And that's that's not an easy job. And what I always say is that we can, there's so much need in our own backyard. We don't have to you know, travel all over the place or go find, you know, these big, massive issues, not that we should ignore those, but in our own home communities, there's opportunities to make a difference. And that's, that's what I really like about what you just shared yeah, is, and, is back and home, there's opportunities. It, and, and it begins with our families. We don't even have to look very far. You know, I'm yet to find uh, a person that would tell me that their family is perfect. There's no conflict. You know, they, 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 they sit around and sing Kumbaya all day long, just like you said, you know. And so uh, the principles that we learned, at least uh, when we took uh, peace building classes, I mean, I, I can tell you that I remember some of those things that we learned and and I find myself unintentionally doing them and I stop for a second and I think, oh, I think this is what we learned in peace building, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll give you an example. Um, I think one of the principles that stuck with me was this a principle of seeing people as people. Mm-hmm. And not seeing people as objects. You know, 
in many situations, even in family setup um, or community settings, we intend to engage with people or get to meet people, want to know people because there's a benefit for us knowing them or there's a reason why we would want them to uh, know us or yeah. work with us. Yeah. And 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 if you went through that uh, intense program of peace building, you recognize that if you step back, you think, well, am I seeing this person as a person, or I'm just using this person as an object to achieve what I want or yeah. to gain benefits from this kind of relationship? So mm-hmm. um, it, it is very true. I think the opportunities are countless. Uh, I talk of peace building, talk of leadership. They're absolutely everywhere in our homes, in our communities. And that is one thing that attracted me to Groundwork Institute and the things that you're doing in terms of leadership within the community, solving the problems, because it begins where we are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Change, large change is going to happen at the community level, you know, when we think about large national global change. And at the community level, it starts in families and organizations and individuals. So, um, you know, it always it always leads back to the one. Doesn't mean that we don't, you know, look at policy and and structure and all these large scale things that are that are going yeah. wrong or or ways that that they can improve. But it's always going to come back to to people and that concept of seeing people. You know, as you know, um, is something we talk about. I feel like all the time on this show, and also it's a key piece of our our curriculum here in 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 our leadership institute. So thanks for for sharing a little bit of that, that, uh, that background. I love what you're aiming to do. Um, and I feel like you're, you're going to do it and it's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be amazing and, and we should stay in touch along the way and even, you know, even, uh, you know, have another, another episode when to check in in a while when, when you're kind of closer to, to, yeah. uh, to some of those things, it'd be, be really fun. I would, I would, It'll be it'll be a pleasure for me to come back on the show. I'd appreciate to do that, especially once I'm established and I get everything going according to plan. Uh, we should move back by mid next year, I think June, July. All right. Uh, we'll be moving back home and uh, we'll be stationed there until we achieve some of the things that we'd like to achieve. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, um, today, you know, we talked about this pre-recording offline, but some of the things I wanted to to get into, and we've been touching on it. Uh, you know, it's, it's leadership is too general, but it's, it's really kind of going a layer beyond that of why leadership is so important as a topic, as a discipline, as something to study, as something to think about. Um, and I'll, and I'll express why this is on in my mind, right? Running a leadership Institute, it's, it's been, it's been a blast. It's fun, but it's very challenging. Um, trying to oh, yeah. connect content, ideas, and create a program that relates to leaders of all ages from all sectors. I mean, we have leaders in, in Groundwork that are from education, nonprofit, government, business, faith, community, and again, of all experiences. Some of them have decades of experience leading in leadership roles. Some of them are just starting out. We have people from all backgrounds. And so to create a program and a curriculum that connects with all of those individuals, is it's it's not very easy. It's, it's oh, actually quite... It's a daunting task. It's, it's Absolutely. Quite, yeah, it's quite the challenge. And it keeps me up at night a lot. And I think about it a lot. And I, I've recently... We've recently had an evaluation done, um, third party from, you know, on, on, on a lot of our programming, curriculum, et cetera. And I've also met one-on-one with almost all of our current cohort this year. 
over the last several months and learned a lot, right, in those one-on-one discussions right. and, and mixed with the evaluation. And one thing that I've realized is is the importance of leadership philosophy, of studying leadership. Because oftentimes we want a quick fix. We just want to be told what to do. You know, and, and leaders, even even in our institute, get really impatient. Like, why are we, why is there a lecture? Why are we learning about this principle? Or why did we, why are we spending time, you know, and people use the words in this academic arena, abstract, you know, this theoretical element. Why are we not just getting to the tangible, practical, realistic elements? And it's like, well, we, we have to talk about the, the philosophy and the theory, the abstract or the academic, whatever word you want to use. Because we owe it to our people that we lead to study leadership, right? We owe it to Absolutely. all the we owe it mm-hmm. to all the people that we influence and that we lead to study what leadership is, right? To be knowledgeable about it, to understand all the angles and the dynamics, so that when it comes to the tangible, the realistic, the practical, that we're doing it with purpose. That we're not just doing it because it's the next shiny object, it's the flavor of the month, but we're doing it because we've analyzed it, we've we've gone through trial and error, we've made mistakes, we failed, right? And we've taken the time to to study and really dig into what leadership actually means. So, to take the time, and I want to hear your response here in, a, in just one second, but the right. take to take the time to dedicate to your own leadership development which is our aim here in our phase one of groundwork, which is to help leaders of all these different sectors undergo an individual kind of personal transformation over the course of a year that helps them become something different and better on the, at the end of it, right? To do all of that intentionally and giving the time is once a privilege, right? Not every, not every leader gets to just spend time in a, in a leadership Institute for an entire year, to improve oh, yeah. and not have to pay anything, by the way, right? Because it's part of our philanthropy. Mm. So it's a privilege to be a part of it, but it's 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 so important to to give yourself that space to to grow personally. So, anyways, all of that said, what I was hoping we could get into is why leadership, studying leadership theory, philosophy, etc., is so important in 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 order to apply it and enact it. So, I mean. I know we talked about this before recording, but what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I I think that it's a very interesting uh, topic and discussion to have because um, leadership is like any other skill. Um, for example, you um, cannot become a good cook by watching someone cooking. You have to, or by reading a, a cookbook, you have to watch, read, and then go out applying what you read or retain what you saw, what you watched. So um, by and large, leadership is like that. Um, it is not only sufficient to watch good leaders you know, lead, but it also takes um, commitment on your part for you to be curious enough, to be inquisitive, to find out why is it that this person is such a good leader? Why are they good at this, what they do? And so that is part of the study. And so when you look at the academic side of leadership, you know, the theories of leadership, you see that if someone takes time to really study that, uh, the next step for them is to uh, try to apply what they're learning. And I think it's human nature. If you're interested in something, you study it, you want to apply, you want to test out the theories. And once you begin doing that, then you see the results. Number one, 
you're going to see that the change happens inside out. Mm-hmm. You're going to be very cautious about the things you do and how you do them and what you say. Now, I have learned throughout my interaction with good leaders and what I've read is that the number one principle of leadership is self-awareness. You cannot lead anyone without self-awareness. So in order for you to cultivate that self-awareness, it requires you to study. It requires you to find out, to learn from others. Why is it that this person is such a great leader? Why is it that they, they, are no, they know so much about this topic? And so because you're inquisitive, you're going to take the time to study the person, study what they know, study the theories of leadership. Also, the other aspect to that is, like I said, by observing. That is another aspect of learning, just like in school. I mean, you don't only study, study. You observe everything that you learn about. Peace building is the same. I mean, when we did peace building courses or classes, you you remember that um, we'll do the theory aspect of it, and then we'll go out there and apply some of the things that we've learned. And we'll watch some of the people in the community that were making a difference, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and, and I give an example of Nelson Mandela because I think that in our generation, Nelson Mandela is still one of the moral figures that we can look to. Yeah. If you, if you read uh, Long Walk to Freedom, uh, the actual, uh, the first publication of it, I think it was 758 pages. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting events in Nelson Mandela's life that not only prepared him for leadership without knowing, but he took the deliberate step to learn leadership, to study what leadership entailed. And I'll speak about one specific episode. When he was very young, you know, this is when he's growing up in the village. Um, You know, his father um, died when I think he was about nine, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And his father had uh, probably, I think, four wives, if my memory serves me correctly. And so his mother takes Nelson Mandela and takes him to the chief's house. Um, and, and because the chief wanted Nelson Mandela to grow up with his son. Uh, he, the son to the chief was uh, Justice. That was his name. So Nelson Mandela was being groomed to be the advisor to the chief, and Justice was heir to the throne of being the chief of Nelson Mandela's chiefdom. And Nelson Mandela says that it was during that early years, during that period, you know, when he's about nine years old and going up, that him and his so-called brother, Justice, you know, uh, the chief's son, they would sit around the table, actually not the table, they'll sit around the fire when the elders of the village would get together with the chief and deliberate about the issues and the problems and things that needed to be taken care of. Yeah. Now, that that yeah. in itself, Nelson Mandela's not only learning leadership by watching and observing, but as he grows up, he becomes curious why are these men doing things this way? So it takes study for him to look into what leadership entails. And I can make an argument that it is those early ages of Nelson Mandela's involvement with how leadership is supposed to be, you know, how leadership requires problem solving and things like that. And that is what prepares him so many years down the line when he becomes a politician, he becomes a lawyer, a politician, and then subsequently as president of South Africa. Yeah, no, that's an amazing example. And you know, in in the book that we actually read in in the peace building program, playing the, playing the enemy, if you remember, um, you know, and this this story is all over, but we specifically read about it in that book. 
where, you know, even when he's in prison, he's constantly educating himself so that when he's out, he, he's developed, I mean, he's, he's theorizing and making things abstract and purely, purely philosophical before he applies, which is so important. I mean, he's learning from the, the prison guards about rugby. Right when he's in there, yeah, he's learning about the, he's learning about the game of rugby, how it's played. And, 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 and the, you, the you poli- just stole that for the, you stole that thought for me, Chris, because I was going to go to that. The, the point I wanted to make also was that I don't think that he would have become a leader that he eventually became without extensive study and prison for twenty eight years. Yeah, about leadership, because if he was only there for five years or three years, I can bet you that he probably could have acted differently when he became president of South Africa. Yeah. But all the actions that precedes him um, after he leaves prison, they're deliberate. He's thought about these theories. He's read about leadership. Mm-hmm. He's he's read about all these philosophies and what it entails to be a good leader. And so by the time he gets out, I mean, he is a remarkable human being. I mean, yeah. he's pre- preaching forgiveness and reconciliation when it's not even easy Yeah, you know, at the time. It's mm-hmm. not even popular at the time. Yeah, and, and he... He he took the time to to understand, like we've said, to study all beforehand. So so the this I mean here's here's a really here's a really kind of practical way to put it is uh, you know money just ch- changing gears just quickly. I want to go back to leadership, but money 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 talks right, and money doesn't lie. Money is made over handshakes and conversations and uh deals right money's made right. be like over a meal money's made over a handshake money's made over yeah. over a signed piece of paper right so it all of that is a is an idea first right it's a it's just a it's a theory if you will right people yeah, come up with absolutely. an idea right before it is actualized and actually you have money in your bank account uh you have to first think of it you have to first create something mentally before you can and understand it mentally before you actually have have it in your pocket so the same goes for leadership so you have to understand it you have to think about it you have to create a strategy mentally before you put it to paper and certainly before you actualize it and make it become reality so i mean nelson mandel is a great example he spent so his whole life learning educating himself so by the time that he was in that leadership role as president, he made obviously a, a, a massive difference, not just in his country but in the world and how we and how we see all sorts of things, and and that didn't happen the day that he got out of prison and and was, the day he was elected president it happened many many years before, and we have Absolutely. to see leadership the same way we we're learning how to lead long before we actually lead, and so it's foolish to to just want the quick answer. It's foolish to just want no. want the practical, tell me what to do, let's make this real, let's make this realistic. It's like, well, you can't learn a concept in 1 minute and then expect to to just apply it perfectly the next. So when we spend well, when, we, when we when we spend a whole year with our leaders, it's intentional that we spend a whole year. It's, oh, it's yes, yes. not not just one weekend or one week doing a leadership institute. We spend an entire year meeting every month. Because learning these principles, even after the first year, you're still not going to have them down. You're still you might no. you might you might know how to think about it or conceptualize it, but translating that into actually doing, you know, takes takes 
a decades takes a lifetime even and so our 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 theory of hey let's meet for a year study what it means to lead it's just a jump start to to a way of thinking to a way of learning for a leader right that doesn't just come right. doesn't just come when you get the leadership position your no, study no. of leadership i, I think and, and i think that's a mistake we make i mean the quick fixes are just as good as being a good manager it doesn't require leadership to be a good manager. I mean, if you bring a problem to me and I solve it, I'm managing the systems. I mean, it's it's as good as uh, you know. Uh, but but people can mistake that to leadership. Yes, leadership requires a lot of work, requires a lot of learning, requires a lot of like I said, the number one principle of leadership is self-awareness and you cannot get to a level of self-awareness without uh, having a certain consciousness and that comes through study that comes through knowing all these theories and how can I apply them and when you apply them you're testing the theories out and you see the results and you grow from that that's very important leadership um learning leadership is also like um well what one other thing uh, one other thing as you're talking about management you know, the the trend of leadership right now is is really going towards understanding followership, right? When you understand followership, you understand your people, you're a better leader. So ultimately, leadership doesn't exist without followers to follow you. But right. I still think we, that's why, like you brought up, management is is oftentimes we can mistake people um, falling in line, if you will, or or reporting to a man to us as a manager or or showing up and doing their duties as oh I have followers right it's like no right you, you could change tomorrow and those people are still gonna have to do their same job they're still gonna be falling Absolutely. in line so it's different Absolutely. than having people that want to follow you because you're actually leading them not because you're managing them or you're just in the position and somebody new will come in tomorrow and they'll do the same thing so I, I the followership and, and, is the is is the very is is different than falling in line. Yes, and I think I'm glad you make that point because we see that especially in um, the corporate world in the corporate setting. You yes. know, um, you know, uh, people might think that because they're a good boss or a good manager, then they're a good leader. Um, sometimes they get mixed up with those two, and it's not always the case. Um, one thing that I remind people when we talk about leadership is that when it comes to leadership, leaders really focus on people. They, they really focus on serving people. They really focus on making a difference in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. Managers, like I say, can manage systems. They can manage a situation. They can manage um, a company. You know, they can they can manage a problem. They can put a bandit on the problem. You know, and manage it. But when it comes to leadership, you're talking about sitting down and thinking through exactly how would this help the other person, make them better than they are, you know. Mm-hmm. And like you said, even with leadership, you are following. And in order for people to follow you, a leader needs to, without self-awareness, they need to stand for something. Mm-hmm. How purpose. do you honestly, yes, how do you honestly have purpose to stand for something without knowing the theories, the philosophies of leadership, mm-hmm. it's impossible. It's absolutely difficult because um, like uh, one of the quotes, one of the famous saying says, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. I mean, people believe in leaders. People become followers because you were able to communicate 
ideas. You're yes. able to communicate. You're able to communicate um, dreams. You're able to communicate these abstract ideas and make them a reality for these people, and people can follow you. And that all comes from a study. I mean, how can you uh, uh, think about ideas and dreams and all these philosophical issues without you taking the time to study? That's why they say leaders are readers. For you to lead, you have to be deliberately reading a lot. You have to know a lot of things. You need to be conversant with uh, with issues. That is why uh, you find the likes of Nelson Mandela, whom we can use as um, as a reference in this discussion. But there are many other political prisoners that became uh, moral figures of the world. You know, um, you find that even when they were to prison, one of the things they did not stop doing was study. Mm-hmm. was formulating these ideas or having this a dream and trying to communicate that as a reality to the people. And hence, the people follow through with that. Uh, Chris, you can't do that if you're not philosophical. Yeah, You have to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I think that's where patience comes into play, right? Because, uh, you know, um, I'm not pointing fingers to anybody. I'm just speaking hypothetically, you know, like if somebody comes into our leadership institute and they're just wanting quick fixes or answers, you know, they're they're basically wanting to learn how to problem solve or to or to manage. And those are great skills, technical skills to learn, but mm-hmm. but the purpose of our leadership institute is to create transformational change within individuals, within the leader, right? Especially in our phase 1. It's when I and I say phase 1 because what we're growing to is is, uh, you know, a leadership institute that, like you said, has uh, uh, an impact beyond our community and and things of that nature. But for right now, we're focused on the leaders that participate in our program and how do they undergo individual transformation. And the word transformation, you know, I said this at the beginning in the intro, it's, it's a key part of our vision. It's a key part of our purpose. It's a leadership philosophy that I feel is, is the umbrella to anything good about leadership, any 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 good leadership philosophy out there, transformational leadership to me has really ever since it was kind of discovered academically and written about. It's it's really risen to the top of, uh, in my book of uh, of the best sort of way to lead. And 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 uh, it's I could talk about this till you're blue in the face because because it's a it's a key part of my 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 doctoral dissertation my, uh, right now. But transformational leadership and this relates to everything you just said. You know, it has four elements. Inspirational motivation, idealized influence, um, intellectual stimulation, and individualized consideration, and absolutely. And some people might be naturally good at one or two of those things, but they're not, they weren't. They had to still develop it. They learned something in their life that helped them be good at leading that way. But to have all four of those things, it's hard to do without study, without self awareness, yes. like you mentioned. You know, it, it, and and you have to put in the time to be able to lead that way and and then right. for to impact you know uh your people uh your the outcomes the results that you're you're striving for i wanted to share something with you quickly you know something that i've learned based upon those one-on-ones that we've had the 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 evaluation you know we're a few years into our leadership institute and what came to mind clearly and it's silly because I'll share this and it's like, well, Chris, why didn't, why wasn't that so clear to you when you began? But same thing. I'm eating yeah. my own medicine. We're learning as we go. And, <laughs> right, uh, right. You know, at That's the, how it works. Yeah. At the center of what we're trying to create is 
right now in this phase one of groundwork is individual transformation from the leaders that participate, right? That's, that's, that's the measurement. It's like, that's what we want people to, that's what we want to happen for people is individual transformation. They become something different. They're a better leader because of it. they make better decisions. They do different things. They lead a different way. They communicate differently, right? There's all sorts of metrics that could be measured, right? But the challenge yeah. is, is we don't have control over individual transformation, right? I can't control if, no, if somebody mm-hmm. goes through that experience, but we can control what we call conditions to that, right? There's conditions for that sort yeah. of change. Mm-hmm. And those conditions for us, the first one is what exactly what we're talking about. It's studying leadership. So understanding the literature around leadership, all the different sort of leadership styles from transformational servant leadership, adaptive leadership, understanding how motivation works within leadership, understanding the different approaches to leadership. I mean, all of those things, right? You can read about them in a book, but again, in an institute, when you're not just reading about them in a book, but you're talking about them, your people are presenting on them, they're sharing their own stories. I mean, it's a it's such an intellectually stimulating environment. So that's a key piece is to study leadership. Another key piece, yeah. a condition for us, is a diverse network of leaders. And I mentioned that earlier. We have leaders from all different sectors, you know, faith community, nonprofit, business, government, education. They all come together. Uh, we have about 25 participants each year. And they're all from those different sectors. So we, wow, fo- we, fo- we focus a lot on relationship building. So that's condition number two is diverse networks. So we have study leadership and a diverse network. Uh, the third condition is applied learning, which is that other piece that we're talking about. It's one, you know, you have to apply what you learn to something. And so we create an environment where you're harmlessly applying it to not hypothetical, but to a problem of practice Something that's real in our community, like this year, mm-hmm. we've been focusing on homelessness, mental health, city livability, um, and developing the work your future workforce. Those are real challenges in our community, but we're not telling them to solve it. We're just telling them, apply what you learn to this. What, what do you discover? Right. We actually just recently had our presentations on that kind of mid-year this last week where people presented on what they've thought of and what they've come up with and several of them have come up with some amazing things that they're going to do as a result of this which i thought was you know astounding so that's the applied learning piece that's condition number three right condition number four is uh inspiration and exposure so we bring guest speakers in every month, whether we fly them in, you know, we've had a couple best-selling authors, um, we'll, or we'll have a panel. We'll have a panel of leaders in our community, um, and we'll, you know, have a panel discussion on uh, on that. So it's it's inspiring them through these people's stories and knowledge, but it's also exposing them to all sorts of content and experts out there. So that's condition number four: inspiration and exposure. And then condition number five is personal growth. You know. You, and, and what we mean by personal growth is what are you doing intentionally, deliberately to grow, right, um, as, an, as an individual other than showing up to our institute. So we, we make sure that we match people with mentors every year and that people develop a personal growth plan. What those look like, they take on a life of their own, but that's up to the, to the, to the individual. But that's condition number five. So for us, if we're doing a good job here at providing all of those conditions and measuring how well those are going, it, ge- it gives us the confidence that we're creating a condition for individuals to undergo transformational change. That's that's great. It seems like you have a full cycle, a life cycle of, of leadership right there. And it's amazing to listen at what exactly 
terms of the conditions that you have in place. But, um, you know, there's a word that you use, and I think I've used it twice or, or three times, and that is deliberate. Mm-hmm. There's need for anyone who is serious about leadership, learning what leadership is, uh, wanting to be a good leader, to be deliberate in everything that they do. They should study. They should apply these things. They should watch for their personal growth. It is all a deliberate process. Just like anything, any skill that you want to learn, you apply the principles and then you watch for results. You're deliberate at doing that. But I also wanted to uh, just take you back to um, what you, in fact, doing for your thesis, transformational uh, leadership. And uh, one of the things in there is uh, motivation. You know, I and, and this goes back to study. You know, if I did not take the time to study leadership, attend seminars and read books about leadership, I wouldn't know. But there's one misconception that I've actually learned, you know, from experience and also from the theories that I've read, is that when it comes to motivation, for example, we have this misconception. We think that as a leader, I have to motivate all my followers. For people that follow me, it is my job to motivate me. In fact, that is not really accurate. Leaders can only motivate themselves, but they're responsible for creating an environment that motivates others. Yeah. And that is exactly what you're doing with the environment that you're creating. You know, you're creating those leaders. Uh, you know, you can only do so much for you to motivate them to actually uh, work so hard so that they can have this personal growth at the end of, uh, you know, attending the institute. But your job is to create this condition, this environment that when I come and attend the institute, I'm so motivated that, you know what, I need to see this work for me. I take responsibility. And only then you see results in terms of leadership. Yeah, and it's interesting you brought that up because based on our evaluation, you know, there's been a theme of what's happened. Kind of the, this, is the, this is the dominant evidence that we've seen of transformational change. It's really simple, and, and it's, it has to do with self-efficacy, right? Self-efficacy right. is... Is having confident, being having being confident in yourself, but it's backed up with the belief and knowledge that I know what to do. That's why I'm confident. It's not just a right. feeling of confidence. It's I'm confident Absolutely. because I believe in I believe I can actually do it because I have the skill set. And so I, there's several stories I could share, but I'll just share one or two. And th- this is what we found in our in our evaluation, right? And and one on ones is there's been leaders that to put it simply are stepping up right when they wouldn't have before there's all sorts of other things that have happened with relationship building and people connecting with others they wouldn't have connected with i mean there's all sorts of things to kind of use as metrics but this has been a constant theme one individual the they uh, have had an entire career right an entire career uh, uh they were a chief of police they retired and now they're kind of doing training, you know, just something they love to do. They love to train. They love to talk about leadership to, to incoming new new uh, police officers and, and, and things of that nature. And, uh, and this individual has been inspired, I'll, I'll, I'll put it, to step up and take on leadership roles that he would have never thought of taking before. And he used to be complaining about that. Like he'd complain about things that weren't happening or things that he would see. And because he's been participating, you know, in our leadership institute, his words, not mine. It's, well, I can, I can fix that. Why should I sit here and complain about it when I can go and fix it? And not only do I believe I can, but I've been given the tools to do it. So this you'd wonder a, what happened there. Absolutely. This is a retired. The same person. Yeah, this is a retired right. 
leader who had a career leading as a police chief, right? So, and he's still undergoing this development of, you know, of having more self-efficacy, more confidence. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's that's just amazing to hear that that even even him he's willing to step up, and not just because he has, you know, blind confidence. It's backed up with his words again, not mine. As I've learned the tools of how to create transformational change in the program. So, right. so he Absolutely. has, he has this heightened sense of self-efficacy, which I love. I love hearing that um, uh, because it means that, okay, well at least one or two of our conditions are working. <laughs> there's a lot oh, of, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of work in all those conditions. What, what is one thing for sure, Chris, that I know is that um, from our discussion and the things that you've shared, these are real tested theories of leadership. This is not uh, something that, oh, you know, we, we're just trying it out. You know, we, we're not really sure. No, if any of your students, any of um, your uh, people that are interested in leadership can really take advantage of these conditions we've talked about and apply the theories of leadership, there's only one guarantee result. They'll be better. They'll be better than they were. And this is what's happened to this retired man that you've shared with me. It is the same person. It's not like you take a completely different person that you didn't know before and then say, oh, I can do that. No, it's the same person. So you wonder what happened to them. Well, it is application. Yeah. It is that commitment to study and then wanting to go out there and try these things. And as they test the theories, they see the results. And now today, they think what they couldn't do yesterday, they can confidently do it. Yeah. And, and we'll get this, you know, Aaron, the way that we define transformational change, you know, here at Groundwork, all sorts of ways somebody, mm -hmm. one could define transformation. But the way we define it is fundamental shifts towards positive potential. And, uh, and so when, when an individual is making... I like that. Uh, I like that definition. Yeah. Fundamental or foundational shift towards a positive potential to us, that is a transformational change. And, and I love what you said at the end of the day they're they're better right and and i would say even participants that you know I, I think everybody's enjoyed it but i'm sure there's some that might have a be lower on the scale in terms of their their what they've got out of it but even them their growth there was still growth it wasn't uh it wasn't a waste of time they didn't digress <laughs> they they only right. improved um and and actually our evaluation shows that you know over 80 percent of leaders you know, in our institute, feel like it's drastically improved. Um, you know, their their ability to lead um, and, and their ability to become a better person. So, you know, our our data showing as well that we're doing something right. And now it's just for us again. We're just a few years into this. It's fine tuning and 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 tweaking. Right. So, um, yeah. but I, I love I love where this is taking us. This idea of why do we need to study leadership? Why should we take the time to do it? Why should we read? Why and, should we listen? And, why should and, we uh, learn? And, and let me also share an experience with you Please. quickly. I mean, in, in the context of um, African leadership, I mean, when you talk about uh, leadership in Africa, Zambia, uh, you, the foremost uh, visible uh, state of leaders are politicians, okay? Um, everyone relates to them, see them as leaders, and they're all over the place, and they have following. Um, and I have interacted with a lot of them, uh, Chris. Um, I know uh, some of the most influential politicians who've 
spoken at the European Union Parliament. You, no, you, I know you Bobby told, Wine you told, from me, you, you told me you've met uh, with the the president there of, of Zambia. Oh right? yes, yeah. yes. The, the new the new president of Zambia who actually will be here next month because they attend the United Nations General Assembly every September. And I've met him. I've I've been before he became president, just like um, a year before he became president. Mm. Sat down with him for about two hours at his house. You know, had an intimate conversation. Yeah, I have met, um, and even him. He actually just spoke. The president of Zambia just spoke at the European uh, Parliament uh, two two months ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so these are guys who've interacted with lots of people on different levels, you know. And I've had the chance to interact with some of them. And I can tell you, Chris, that you give me five minutes with um, a leader, a politician, from, especially from the African setup, I can tell you what kind of a leader that person is. Quickly, I can tell you from, the, from my head. I can tell you if this leader has substance, he knows what he's talking about, he's read, he has, he has uh, philosophical ideas that are with suing this this leader is committed to the things that he believes in and it is usually leaders that are well read leaders that are grounded in the philosophies of leadership who believe in integrity uh, who believe that what they say as a leader has consequences they don't just say whatever you know what they say has consequences if they make a promise to someone that person's life literally depends on that promise that they make I can tell you when I've met some of these leaders within the first five minutes of having a conversation. And these are some of the leaders who have extensively read. One of them is actually a medical doctor, a politician. He's run for uh, president of Uganda about five times. You know, he has been in the opposition for over 20 years. He's been brutally tortured and beaten by, you know, the regime in Uganda, which is not, uh, it's pretty much like a military junta. But I've met Dr. Kiza Bessage, and I am impressed by just talking to this man. And when I met him, we spoke for almost four hours at his house. Yeah. Uh, this is May of uh, last year. But these are leaders who cannot compromise values and principles. Why? Because they know that those things matter. Mm-hmm. And they know those things not because they've seen someone else do it. It's because they've taken the time to study. Yeah, And it's because of that study and the application of the study is what makes them be that kind of a leader. Yeah. So so Groundwork Institute and the leadership uh, training of the people that you train has consequences. It is very important that anyone takes it serious because it is the same theories. They're actually very universal theories of leadership. It's the same theories that the politicians learn and other people learn that when you teach them well and they're grounded in that knowledge, they know exactly what this means and they follow through, they begin to see the consequences of their actions or what they say and the way they do things, they become better person. That's why I say you will guarantee to have results if these principles are applied and you mean well and you've committed yourself to try them out. Do you see a difference? Yeah. No, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I, and, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to mistake that um, to study leadership doesn't mean you have to go out and get a PhD or no, <laughs> or certainly not. <laughs> you know, do all these things. It just means that it starts with the you don't stories. have to be Chris. You don't have to be Chris to be good to be a good <laughs> leader, right? Hey, I, I I don't know if I'm a good leader at all, but I'm certainly trying to learn <laughs> how how to be one. Um, 
but, doing uh, a PhD in leadership. So, you know, someone would be like, oh, man, I got to be like Chris because he's, he's doing a PhD in leadership. I have to do that for me to be a better leader. Not, not exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, what, what we're talking about is, like you said it with talking about Nelson Mandela. It started with him listening and learning, you know, by yes. the fire, right? And And so mm-hmm. we just have to have the... And I love the word that you used, the deliberate attitude of every opportunity that I find myself in is an opportunity to learn. And that could be on the job, it could be reading a book, it could be in a conversation, but I'm deliberately learning about, and in this context, leadership in all of those situations. And so it, if that's one thing that, that, that learning and studying leadership requires, is it's that. It's the self-awareness and the ability to 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 be deliberate in our curiosity and and digesting yeah. what we can around us because there's so many opportunities to to learn from those from those before us from those currently from books videos podcasts uh conversations mentors i mean you name it there's opportunities to learn everywhere in fact you know um i was just uh the other day where was i in church or something um, we were talking about uh, kind of overcoming um, challenges, and we were talking about Job in the Bible, right? He overcomes all of these challenges that beset him, right, and and perseveres. And uh, and somebody in 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 the Sunday school class, they talked about you know the the golden generation, right? Are are people that lived in the time in a really dark time of the world. Right, the Holocaust had been going on, wars had been happening all over the world, and so the golden generation were people that lived in this time where the world was gloomy, right, and horrible things were happening, and and they it developed resilience in them, and that's quite the that's quite the 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 the, the label to be given at least here in the, in the U.S. of the golden generation or the you know the the, the greatest generation. But I think that the generations we're in now, where we have access to so much information, we're either going to be we're either going to be the worst generation ever or the best because we'll be no, the worst. Absolutely true. We'll be the worst if we don't take advantage of all the information in front of us at no, our at true. our fingertips. Like you know, I'm getting into and in, I'm trying to get into investing, and decade a decade or two decades ago. You used to have to go out and find information just on how to invest. Yes. Let's say, let's say in real estate. You know, like you had Absolutely. to go, you had to go pay, yeah. you had to go pay a lot of money and get information. Steps one through five, do these things, and you would, you'd pay mm-hmm. ten grand and be like, I've figured it out. Now you can Google it, and it's right there. There's so much access, Absolutely. and and so we, I, I don't, we don't have any excuse to not study or learn leadership. So what no. I was saying before of not the. At all. the the, the, the benefit that it is to have a leadership institute, any leadership institute to participate in, is that it, it just gives you that deliberation, the wind at your back to say, you're part of this, you're intentional about this, you're dedicating the time, go and learn. I wish it didn't take that for people to, to dive in and learn as much as they can, but only, in my experience, well, only special, very special people that have that sort of deliberate orientation drive. to learn. Yeah. Are doing it no matter no matter where they're at in life, right? And those are the special but, but, special but people. Absolutely, and that's like any other good things in life. You have to put in the work. You have to be able to work hard, have the drive, the self motivation to go and achieve it, to go and get this. It's the same as leadership. If you really want to be a good leader, there's no gray area. There's no two ways about it. You work hard to become a good leader. 
you read, you study, you apply what you're learning, you get a mentor, which Groundwork Institute helps you with, and you become a, a good leader. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say that some of the good leaders I've interacted with have this attitude about them, which I think it's very important because sometimes we can get carried away when we talk about leadership and we think we've grown and we're good leaders. We always um, attempted to think that hence because we're good leaders, we have good following and people are disciplined and they listen to us and and the ideas we communicate and our philosophies, people grasp them and love everything that we present to them. So we can easily fall into a trap of thinking we're always right. Yeah. We're always right. We can, mm-hmm. we can become, if we're not careful, we can become opinionated. Yeah. And that slowly um, can take us backwards rather than progressing because then all the work that we've put in we can easily become, we can have pride uh, for lack of a better term. We can easily be distracted. Um, and so it is very important to understand that leadership is is work. It's You put in work every day. You improve yourself every day. Um, you should be open to ideas. You should mm. be open to engaging people from different backgrounds, so you're learning from them. You talked about how we went to school at BYU Hawaii and they had what 72 different countries represented you know and so you meet all sorts of people yeah. and almost everyone that we made i think you will agree with me chris we learned something from them mm-hmm. and and it may not have been beneficial at the moment probably three or five years down the line you look back and say well i think that is what yeah this guy made for micronesia yeah you know uh was was all about you know so i think that leadership also humbles you and tells the Correct principles of leadership tells you that you cannot always be right. And sometimes you're put in a situation where you have to ask yourself, do I want to be right or do I want to get something done as a leader? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the instances where, for example, uh, I mean, you have to uh, resolve that conflict between the two because we can all, we can have this temptation of thinking everyone is looking up to you to me so i gotta be right you know this is the only way to get this done yeah but you need even as a leader it is okay you're human you can be vulnerable to uh, mistakes you can be corrected but leaders always good leaders always keep the vision keep their eyes on the ball they communicate where they want people and themselves to be and people see an earnest effort for them trying to get there and those people will follow through. But sometimes, like I said, we always want to be right, you know, um, which is not the case because even even expertise, I mean, even Chris right now is still learning, but he's doing a PhD in leadership, you know, and you're learning every day with these interactions. So I think I always remind people that uh, do not uh, be very hard on yourself. Know that this is a learning curve. Know that the principles of leadership have to be applied on a daily basis. Yeah, you have yeah. to be excited about this. You need to be self-motivated. Yeah. Do not be too hard on yourself. Learn from your mistakes. You cannot always be right. When you're not right, learn from those situations and you move forward. And that's what leaders do. Yeah, I um, I wish it didn't. I wish we. It's fifty. We're about fifty-five minutes in, so we got to wrap up soon. But I almost wish, man, we should have led with that because uh, <laughs> that's such an important principle. Because we're talking about why study leadership. We've been talking about the importance of it. But just because you study leadership doesn't mean that you're going to be right. It doesn't mean that you're better than than anybody else. In fact, in our curriculum, we talk about pride. 
we talk about the importance of creating a culture of innovation in an organization, but the direct attribute that that requires from leaders and everybody in an organization is humility, because the the opposite of humility is pride, and the first form of pride is what we call up pride. It's where we feel like we have to have all the answers. Where well, I've done yep. this. I have this education. I have this experience. I have I I've done all these things, so I know more than you, right? We have to be be wary of that. Be be aware of the up pride, but there's also the down pride, which you mentioned. It's it's the I I don't know enough. I'm not sufficient. Yeah. I'm not the right person for the job. Either one of those forms of pride are debilitating because they separate us from purpose and they, and they separate us from 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 others. And and we have to have this attitude of you know to to avoid the up pride. We have to have the attitude that the more I learn the more I'm just realizing how much I don't know, right? And and that goes with self-awareness again. Yeah. And Chris, I want to tell you quickly before we actually wrap up that of all the good and great leaders I've actually met, some of them are just amazing when it comes to how much they know and yeah. how many people they've met and who they've talked to. There's one attribute that sticks with me. It is how those leaders made me feel not what they told me mm. discuss regardless of what we discussed we could have discussed uh philosophy or theology or whatever the details of our topic of discussion of course they'll be brilliant they you know they have interesting ideas but there's one attribute that they've all made me feel and that they made me feel very important they made me. Re- they made me remember how I felt meeting them as a leader, and that always goes back to you as a leader having self-awareness. Because when I meet you, Chris, and you know, being a leader, I have to know that I'm meeting a person. See a person yeah. as a person. Mm-hmm. Going back to persevering, and when you see a person as a person, the way you treat them, the way you make them feel, will be completely different from just seeing them as a by the way. Um, yeah. You know, object or someone that you just want to use. So that's very important. Leaders can be, you can tell leaders from, you know, um, and the many stories about Nelson Mandela and other great leaders, how people that meet them for the first time, what they remember, it's the feeling, yes. it's how they made them how you feel. feel. Yeah. You know, more than uh, the details of what was discussed, you know, we, we can forget that. But good leaders will always make others know that they see them as a person and they make them feel a certain way. Yeah, and and the pride, whether up or down, pride gets in the way of of that, right? Because we yes, start to very true. If if I'm a leader and I'm and I'm thinking that I know everything, I'm gonna cut off the ability to connect with you. Or if I don't Absolutely. feel like I know much at all and I'm worried about you judging me then yes. I'm gonna you're not You'll gonna feel very comfortable. Yeah, you're gonna you, you won't be engaging. You won't be you won't focus on me mm-hmm. because there's something about you that's making you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? And so those are very important um principles of le- good leadership to remember. And and anything any theory or leadership philosophy out there that's good ha- is has that principle embedded. Is that this is just an idea, but how you are, are you purpose-driven? Do you see people? You know, are you outside of yourself? That's embedded in any good leadership philosophy if you re- if you look hard enough. Um, yes, and again, some people are naturally great at that, 
And most of yes. us, if some you're people like have me, to learn. Are not right, and I have to. <laughs> you have to learn. Yes, <laughs> I have to learn. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I would. You know, that's such a great way to to kind of end this off. Um, uh, and and I, I guess one one thing I want to end with, and I'll go back, and I'm not trying to make this religious at all. And so this isn't a, a religious uh, principle. It's just it just somebody was teaching something, you know, in a religious context and it stuck out to me, but, um, I was, you know, sitting in, in listening to this, this, uh, pastor talk to a group of youth and, uh, he was talking about service and this pastor, he's started a church basically in our community that is aiming to, to, you know, help with the homeless issues that we have about 2000 homeless individuals in Salem. I mean, it's oh, wow. quite a bit. And, and so he yeah. started this organization um, church at the park, and uh, and it, it, he started it because one day he was reading in the Bible, and he was reading about charity and love, and uh, he realized, and guess this is so simple, right? He realized, you know, charity and love and service isn't me just l- learning about it or us talking about it at church. It's when I actually go and do it, and yeah. uh, and he said he said this, and this is what stuck out to me. He said. What if we actually took these teachings that Jesus was teaching in this context, right? What if we took them literally? You know, like what if we took mm-hmm. these principles literally? Our Absolutely. whole our whole world would change. And when he saw it that way, he was so compelled, like he's he couldn't just sit around anymore. He had to do something, you know, about the problem uh, and, and the challenge of homelessness. So he started that, and it's an incredible organization. They've done amazing things in our community now, but it started out with him asking that question of what if I took these teachings or these values or these principles literally? And that's what I want to end with in this episode is anybody listening one. Thanks for listening all the way up until now. I hope that you've gotten a lot out of it. I certainly have, but what if you took the principles of leadership that you're studying, which is increased, which is actually, by the way, those Teachings, biblical teachings, can be philosophical, can oh, be abstract. Absolutely. You you take that literally, a question that the pastor asks himself, take that literally and apply it. Yeah. And then you get the results. Same as leadership. Yeah, and that that's my that's my invitation is whatever whatever studying leadership looks like for you, whether it's sitting by the fire and listening to somebody, whether it's observing someone, listening to a podcast, watching a book, or sorry, not watching a book, uh, reading a book, uh, you know, observing leaders around you or actually leading yourself and, and it being in com- whatever the wherever it is that you're learning leadership, what if you started to take all of those wonderful principles and values that make great leaders what if you started to take them literally into your own life i think that that the world would would change um before you little by little um and and the people that are following you um uh their experience with you and and in in themselves uh would completely change and so that's my invitation is what if you took um learning about leadership and all of the wonderful principles there and what if you took them literally um, so, but we, we, we got to end up, uh, end our episode. So Aaron, man, this has been a blast. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. It's been I've so fun. I, I think I'm, you know, I might recommend this when we have new cohort members before they enter the program, we usually recommend a few episodes. I, I might recommend okay, this well, one. Okay. That'd be great. Yeah. I've just, well, if, if, if there's a chance for me to speak to some of your students and check experiences, I'm more than happy to do that. Yeah. I mean, I just, I might have them listen to this to just, you know, grasp why, 
we're spending so much time learning about leadership. Why Very it's so important. Yeah, so I appreciate you. Um, this has been it's been really fun, and 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 I, I I'm I'm banking on staying c- connected, my friend. So I'd love to to you know be a fly on the wall in your journey and and stay connected and find ways to to collaborate and 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 carry on. So yes, uh, no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, appreciate it, Aaron. Uh, all righty. Well, everyone, thank you for joining the show. As always, be safe and take care until next time.